Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. Merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store, and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Sports History Network Showcase, our in-house show featuring SHN podcast, talking sports, talking history, and talking sports history. My name is Oz Davis, host of the Sports History Network's Truly the Goats podcast. And joining me for this week's episode is Darren Hayes, host of the interesting, informative, and tons of fun for football history geeks, the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch. Welcome to the showcase, Darren. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Austin? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. I love doing podcasts. So I guess I'm great. Let's just get right into it because I've, I've got some questions about your show here at the Sports History Network, uh, the Pigskin Daily. I guess first off, let's just start on the basics, like go way back. How long have you been into sports history as opposed to, I guess in your case, football history, especially as compared to just yeah, watching the games on Sunday, collecting football cards, whatnot? Well, that's that's sort of where it all started, though. Um, I was I'm I'm 54, so I was born in the mid 60s, and I grew up. You know, I'm 100 miles from three cities that have football t- uh, teams on them. You know, we're 100 miles from Cleveland, 100 miles from Buffalo, 100 miles from Pittsburgh, and I grew up right at the opportune time. My family is all Steelers fans, and probably one of my earliest memories is probably the Immaculate Reception game. Uh, and it just it just hooked me. My my grandfather and my my father were were into it. They were excited. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I got excited, got into it a little bit more. You know, my gramps and my my dad buy me some football cards. You know, my, then my mom and my grandmother started getting me football cards and football books, and it just kept growing. I had pictures of you know the seventy Steelers, you know, every newspaper article that had a picture of, you know, Franco Harris or Rocky Blyer or Bradshaw or Lambert. It, it was it was glued all over my, my bedroom wall. I, I was I was hooked deep. And we are we're also less than two hours away from the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I was probably about eight years old and my dad said, We gotta take this this kid here because he's 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 too hooked on this thing. We gotta take him to this, you know, religious site though. <laughs> he's yeah. You know, a pilgrimage of sorts. He, he took me there. It it just, I mean, I was I was hooked even more. And I got into I I played you know some footballs, little gritters. Uh, not not so much in high school. I was I was a little bit on the smallish side, and I went to a, a pretty big powerhouse uh, football t- school in our area. Um, but uh, in college, I one of my friends was a football official, and he said, hey, you want to make it, you want to make a couple extra bucks, you know, you want some pizza to get on campus, you know, have a little little jing in your pocket when you're walking around. I said, 
sure. He goes, come on down to the stadium. He goes, we'll get you, we'll hold the change. Oh, the best seats in the house. I'm like, wow. all right. I mean, my, my, I mean, my dad took me to Friday night high school football games all my life. So I'm like, okay, hey, you get paid to go watch these games and you're right on the field? Nice. <laughs> hey, put me, count me in. So I did it. I got hooked on that. Dude, you Man, need to be the I was with a guy, man. That's like the Zamboni guy in hockey. Dude, that's dope. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it's not the Zamboni. It's not quite the Zamboni guy. You don't get to drive a, you know, <laughs> well, it's not that, a truck around slider on the that, ice, you know. But, uh, but you get to see things, you know. You get, you know, players come flying off the field and pop you a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> you try to get it out of the way. But it, it led right into me getting on the field as an official. And I loved it. I had a great group of guys I worked with. I mean, guys that took me under the wing that have been doing it. I mean, some of them, when I started, have been officiating for 50 years. I mean, 1950s, they started officiating. You know, it was, it was great. And I learned so much from them. And it was right at the time where the game, the high school game in our area, nobody really passed. There was no spread formations. It was just tight, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust type football, student body left, student body right. And so that's how I learned to officiate the game. And that's what I was used to watching. Well, then about five years into it, everything started opening up, you know, uh, artificial turf started coming in. Uh, teams started spreading them out, running pro formations. So this is the early nineties. This is it. Yeah. I started, I started in the late eighties. So then we hit the, probably the mid, mid nineties. We start getting that spread formation, you know, that the artificial turf makes the game go a little bit faster. Coaches are having, you know, new concepts all the time. And I, I started getting into that too. I'm like, wow, you know, this is great. I don't have to, I'm not watching, you know, uh, T formation or, you know, wishbone formation every day. I'm, I'm watching pro sets and I'm watching, you know, then, then teams in the late nineties, early two thousands started getting into the single wing offense. And I didn't know what the single wing was at first. And it's before it became popular in the NFL, the NFL calls it the wildcat, but the single wing is a really interesting old football formation. And the, the first game I had in a team, we were in the playoffs in Pennsylvania and I had a playoff game and the coach says, oh, we're going to be running the single wing. You know what that is? I'm like, going, oh, sure. You know, I, I really didn't. He goes, he goes, let me let me explain it to you. He goes, our and the way they did this, they had three backs in the backfield and any one of them could get the snap. They're all like lined up straight across from each other. And they were doing all kinds of crazy things. And it was great. You know, I, I loved it. So I, I started reading more about the single wing and starting to understand it. And, I, you know, it just kept evolving from there. So I did, I officiated for 27 years. And while I was officiating, I got the opportunity to do some writing online for some uh, internet sites that were for officials. And I had a great editor, um, he, uh, Carl Childress, who's passed now. He's really famous for a lot of his baseball writings. He's wrote some baseball uh, rules books. And Carl was a, a great guy. He took me under his wing, taught me a little bit about writing. And he assigned me some things. He said, you have such a passion for football. He goes, I want you to write about football history. I'm like, okay. He got particular, the rules, you know, where, where did, uh, you know, offsides come from? Where did, you know, line to gain come from? Things like that. So I, I started reading that. Well, then I got hooked onto a guy named Walter Camp and Amos Alonzo Stagg. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So my wife, uh, she knew she had a problem then because, you know, they're, the eBay boxes and the Amazon boxes are coming in every day. I'm buying, you know, rules books from 1920 and, you know, books that Walter Camp wrote. And 
she's she's like, what? She goes, you have a problem. What does it matter with you? And I'm like, this stuff is great. You can't. So the dot com era hit and everything sort of writing online sort of went away and that, that sort of stopped for a little bit. I had this collection of all the stuff and I'm, I kept looking. I'm like, what am I going to do with this stuff? You know, I can read it. I can enjoy it myself. But, you know, it just felt like there was a, a higher calling for it. And uh, finally, you know, I got the opportunity about a year ago. I was looking for something to do. COVID hit and uh, I was trying to teach my, my youngest daughter, 16. She, she wanted to get interested in working and she said, well, I can't go out and get a job. There's COVID out there. I said, well, try to do something from home, you know, see if you can do, just be imaginative. So I, so I started a website. I said, I'm going to choose my knowledge. I start my buddy at work uh, is really into the Internet and knows a lot of things. And he helped me get this set, the site set up and got me rolling. And I just started putting things down. And uh, last summer, I met a man named uh, Arnie Chapman, <laughs> who I think you're familiar with. And, the, and Arnie said, Hey, he goes, if you want to come on this network thing, would you ever think about doing a podcast? I'm like, one podcast? I, I don't know if I can do a podcast. I don't know much about that. And, but I had done some YouTube videos for the site. And I said, well, it can't be harder than doing a YouTube video. So sure enough, I started doing a podcast. And I, I told Arnie, I said, when I'm into something, I'm all in. I said, I'll, I'm, I want to do it daily. He's like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, you hear him on the phone. He's, he's like, he goes, you really don't know what you're getting into. You want to do something daily. And I said, no, I said, I, I just want to do it. I have a lot to, to say. I had a lot to do with football. And I, I want to make sure it's a, an experience for somebody. We went with daily daily podcasts, daily posts, and that's where we're Most at Most excellent, yes. I'm going to ask you about the daily nature of your podcast in just a moment here. And I want to thank you very much for making the rest of us look very bad, by the way. Just kidding, just kidding. We all look great. We all look great. That's the joke. Hey, the, the way the way I look at it, I'm doing the headlines. I'm 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 scratching the surface of everything. You you the other folks on our our network, you guys are digging into details. You're bringing out some great stories and really, you're giving it the girth. I'm I'm up on the the epidermis of the the network. You guys are the heart, and that's. And that's what I, I mean. I enjoy it. I think we all complement each other, and it's a it's a great group of uh, people to be around. I think around. you're either the shot of whiskey or the shot of espresso, <laughs> and the rest of us are the various components of the uh, what seven course dinner at this point. Matt, five, five at this point. Network's still growing. Welcome to the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day -day basis. This is your host, Darren Hayes, and we'll bring you back to the memories and headlines of the people, places, and events of the gridiron, one day at a time. This podcast series complements the work on our websites, pigskindispatch.com, the home of positive football and the preservation of its history, and cleatmarkscomics.com, football's funny pages, to give football fans a taste of good, clean, family-friendly gridiron enjoyment. Join us and go to No Huddle through the day's football history headlines for episodes that take 5 to 15 minutes of the trip back in pigskin timelines. All right. As we've said, Darren does a daily podcast for the Sports History Network. It usually runs, what, about 9 to 15 minutes? Yeah. Right about there, it's, yes. It's a great listen, really, because it's 9 to 15 minutes. Super easy. You can put it down <laughs> 
it's funny if I were still living in Europe, I would just listen to it on the subway, going from point A to point B. It's perfect for that. that that's that's really what I designed it for, because people taking their commute to work, driving in the car. I mean, a lot of people are Bluetoothing things to their car stereo, and a lot of people only have 15, 20 minutes to, to on their drive and want something to listen to. I want to try to be part of their day and uh, give them something to maybe it stirs a fond memory, something positive about football, because that's what I'm all about. I want football is a positive thing in our lives. It should be. It shouldn't be negative. We, you know, some of the some of the people make it are knuckleheads, you know, um, do some negative things. It, football is a game. It's the ultimate entertainment and people should enjoy it and have fun doing it. And it shouldn't get nasty or be degrading. And I want to bring that positive aspect to it to people on a daily basis. That's that's really the the genesis of Pigskin Dispatch. All right. There is something that I'm sure myself and all of our fellow podcasters here at Sports History Network would like to know, and that is this. Now, I'm not trying to do too much of the, you know, man behind the curtain thing here, but how <laughs> do you do it? How do you do it? How do you put one of these things out of it? Well, you, I make a lot of databases. I'm, I'm a geek that way. Like I told you, I'm, I'm hooked. I, I, I have spreadsheets. I read something. It has a date on it. You know, especially the last year, I'm interested in a date on football. Boom, it's, it's going in a database. I make note of it. You know, um, you know, something for January 25th. I'm, I'm noting it now. So I can recall it. I call up, you know, I can do a search on January 25th in my database, and boom, I have I have everything in front of me. And it's it's collecting all the time. There's many days I'll sit there and I'll I'll, you know, let's say you know today's uh, January 20th. I might read something from January 14th. I'm like, oh doggone, I just missed yeah. that by a week. You know, I, yeah. I should have had that. But I'll I'll go back. I'll add it to my post. So hopefully next year I'm still doing this. We I can add it in there and, you know, talk something new. And, of course, of course, the, the, the history that's happening, I can write that in there, too. You know, it's it's great. History's always let's, growing. <laughs> let's talk that instant history. Games last weekend. Um, what, what, you're, you're, of course, our Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And uh, your, your guys had already been bounced the week before. Uh, I, yeah, th- thanks well, for reminding me. My condolences to you, but I don't <laughs> feel that bad about it because I don't mind telling you, I bet <laughs> – some good money on the Browns, both in week 17 and in that game. So I'm not that uh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Plus, you know, Cleveland, sad history. You live in the area, you know. <laughs> in any case, yeah. what did you make of last week's games? What were your takeaways from last week, the divisional round of the playoffs? And who do you like in the big championship weekend? Well, I guess we got to start with last week. My biggest impression of last week is that Andy Reid has got some stones, man. <laughs> He's to go for that. You have your backup quarterback in, and you have fourth and inches up by five at midfield, and you have your backup quarterback throwing a, an out pass. You know that's that is backup quarterback. That takes some stones. <laughs> I right, right. drops back minus right. two yards. Uh, it's a minus two great, yard great pass. Play, but, oh. um, <laughs> But but here's the thing. But here's the thing. Okay. So I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast uh, the other day, and uh, yeah, actually not a member of the Sports History Network, Bill Simmons. Well, maybe you can uh, lure him and in. And <laughs> he, 
Oh, if only. He, uh, he asked the question, um, would Andy Reid have gone for this if the 49ers had beaten him last year's Super Bowl? Hmm. Right? Does he go, well, hey, I'm, I've got the championship. They won't be expecting this. Let me throw this out there. I can take my chances. I still got the lead. Well, <laughs> you know? I don't know. You, well, look at, look back at his history. I mean, he had some great Eagles teams. Um, uh, Donovan McNabb, you know, quarterbacking. I think they were in, if I remember, multiple uh, NFC championship games. And- yeah. Well, that was the knock on him. For the longest time, right? He had lost something like three NFC Championship games in a row or something like that. And their breakthrough, they had a fourth and 25, and they were down by a score. Troy, we came on the air talking about this Green Bay defense. You did. And it's the Green Bay defense, which had been rising as the weeks wore on this regular season, having an off week, so to speak. Their last effort against Seattle. Now trying to stop a fourth and 26 and, in essence, take over. Worth in 25, completed the pass, got the first down. You know, I think he's a risk taker. I mean, that that man, he's he doesn't get the credit as an offensive genius that he really is. I mean, he I mean he gets a lot of credit for being an offensive genius, but he he takes some stakes. I don't know if you're watching after the game. They had uh, Bill Cower was talking with the, with the fellas on the post game, and Cower was shaking his head. And he's like going. He goes, I wouldn't have done it. He goes, I would have had three runs, punted the ball, let my defense come on. I w-, he goes, I can't believe he did that. He goes, nine out of ten coaches would not do that. <laughs> that's why I th- but I think that's what makes him great, you know, to take some chances like that. And and I think that that was a pivotal point in that moment when Mahomes got hurt. Because really, it felt like, you know, Kansas City wasn't up by much, but they had control of that game. Mahomes was doing – pretty much what he wanted to uh, you know the browns were hanging in there but they, they were outmanned but when mahomes got injured you could just feel the you know like the balloon deflated a little bit for kansas city but uh but but they reacted fine won the game you know they're going to the championship game okay what do you like this week we got bills chiefs we got bucks packers well i'll tell you what it's like Mahomes is still up in the air if he's going to play. We might not know till Sunday morning from what I understand. He'll play. But I think, <laughs> I think, I mean, I like both those teams. I like Kansas City. I like Buffalo. Buffalo's in our area. We got a lot of Buffalo fans here in the area. And they never really, they never really got their championship in the NFL. They won, won a couple in the AFL. But they had, you know, four straight Super Bowls, you know, some heartbreaks there. You know, it's not, not the, uh, Not to get it. They had some great teams. Never did it. This is a pretty exciting young team. I mean, Josh Allen, great quarterback. You know, he's a stud. He's gonna be. He's gonna be good. Uh, Mahomes is already good. But I think I'd. I'd like to say I'd li- like to see the Bills win, but I don't think they will. I think it's Kansas City, and I think it's Green Bay. State Farm is gonna get their Super Bowl this year. <laughs> uh, That's what I think. Okay. I've got you're you're like me. You're a sports history guy. Okay, I've got a theory for you. Let me know what you think of this. All right. It's really tough to repeat, even as conference champion. Yeah. That's... Do you buy it? Uh, <laughs> you know, this is the thing. This is the thing for me. 
is that I feel like, as far as Buffalo is concerned, okay, I feel like this is the kind of team that we're going to look back and we're going to go, hmm, you know what? They lost a few games, but they never lost by more than like nine points. They were never out of a game. These guys won big. They won small. They won in overtime. They won in blowouts, mm-hmm. you know, more often than not. Also, they got hot at the end of the year. Right. They, they, they got on that run at the end of the year. Now, the Chiefs, of course, have been winning all year, right? But, of course, famously, uh, if you look at it from a gambling perspective, but, yeah, I'm, I won't get too degenerate. But the point is, is that they've been involved in one touchdown games the last six, seven games. Everybody's expecting them to flip the switch. Well, mm. well, mm. where is it? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. I, I, it feels like we're going to look back at this in history and we're going to look at the Bills and go, obviously, I, I... <laughs> at least to win the AFC. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. And again, it's tough to repeat. It's so tough to repeat. You know, since the Bills were doing it in the 90s, okay, it's been done once by a team not called the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And that was the Seahawks a few years ago. Right. Uh, you know, I mean. I, I think the Bills are a year away from that. I think they're going to be good in the future. Hmm. I think they're going to be the, the dominant team in the AFC East. They're going to, you know, replace the, the Patriots vacuum that's been created in the East. Uh, Four in a row? Uh, I don't know. If they're, I, don't know <laughs> I don't know about that. But. I don't know if I would wish that. No, off the no but I, I don't, I don't think that this is a year because I think Kansas City's still got a little bit too much to them. And Kansas City, they, they struggled near the end of the season. They got in, they were in some close games that really shouldn't have been close games at the end of the regular yeah. season, uh, including last week. They, they probably should have blow, blown the Browns out in the first half, but they didn't. Browns hung in there, um, made it an exciting. Well, the Browns are. Yes, yeah, yes, they the are. Browns can score with it. The Browns can score with it. They could score with anyone and all types of weather. But although they had a couple of freaky weather games. But I think the scariest team that's left right now is Green Bay. They, I mean, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Rodgers and that offense, they just look mechanical. I mean, they, I mean, you almost started feeling bad for the Rams. And I'm not a Rams fan, but I'm sort of going, oh my God, this is, they're making this, you know, top defensive line look silly. You know, Rodgers is just going wherever he wants. I mean, his touchdown run, you know, Hey, I'm going to fake the pass. Oh, you're up in the air. Okay. I'm going to scoot it and go to the pylon. You know, that's a basketball. Oh yeah. He was, was, he took it to the hole. This is a a 30 something, you know, late thirties quarterback. It's not, you know, he's not spring chicken, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, you know, he's, (laughs) he's, he's a vet and he is very good. I mean, he he proved that in a super bowl, uh, about a decade ago against the Steelers. He, he sliced the Steelers great defense apart. He, he yeah. is probably still the best quarterback in the game, and that, that's that's my opinion. And that's and that's a playoff series that still has Tom Brady in it and Patrick Mahomes. I think Rodgers is still that top quarterback that's going on right now. Okay, so what about the Buccaneers? Do you give them no chance? I I don't, um, and I think it's because wow. I, I I think <laughs> I I really don't because I think the Packers are that balanced of a team. Offensively, they can run, they can pass. I mean, hard to stop them, and they're a machine. Their defense, I mean, for losing all the players they have the last couple of years, the big-name players, they really are playing for some solid defense. You know, 
the Rams offense really had trouble getting going and they, you know, there's some talent on that team too. I know you're missing your top receiver and your quarterback had surgery, you know, two weeks earlier, but still, you know, green. I'm a Rams fan and our team is awful. <laughs> our team is awful. Not our team, not our team. I'm sorry. Not our team. Our quarterback is awful. Our quarterback is awful. He's bad. Uh, he's bad. He is. He's I, bad. I got very, very, very excited when I caught in a round polling the other day. And uh, they mentioned the Rams getting Deshaun Watson. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, make it so. I, I bet you you have about 24, 25 teams that would love to have Goff as their quarterback, though. Yeah, I think. Well, great. They can have him. They can have him. As long as you get Deshaun Watson. One, I hope Houston's one of them. Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, I mean, okay, look, let's talk some future football really quick, all right? They're talking about teams like, okay, the Jets, all right. They might still not make the playoffs <laughs> because they'll have to trade a bunch of talent and picks mm-hmm. to get it, right? And they don't have that much to begin with. But to the Dolphins, that's more than doable. That's more than doable. They can give them a quarterback, a viable starter, either on offense and defense, a whole bunch of picks, which the Texans don't have. Mm-hmm. And that would make a monster team. Same goes for Chicago. Apparently Chicago has the resources, but for some reason they never do. So, so you, you think so. Houston's going to trade Deshaun Watson? Oh, yeah. Do you? Oh, yeah. I think, that, I think they're going to clean house. I think everyone must go except for maybe Watt, and I can even imagine him going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Brothers United there. Sure, of course. Of yeah. course. Of course. That's that's that would be the one team that he would he would go to because you know, he's really entrenched in Houston. Yeah. Houston community, Houston Texans lore, mm-hmm. whatnot. So so I think they're gonna blow everything up. And I also think that final prediction here, I think that the Texans would be the worst team. Uh that could be. I mean whole new coaching staff blowing up the team. They're just it it could I I but I think they're gonna I think they're gonna find out some way to have their new coach come in, make peace with Watson, make him want to stay. Wow! I think I, he is such a talent. I think he's their centerpiece. He I mean he's definitely he's the him with next to JJ Watt. He is the face of that franchise, and I mean he's good. <laughs> he's really good, and I don't think you can let a talent like that leave. I really don't. Um, I think it's a big mistake for a franchise to do that. I think you're an optimist. <laughs> That's just because you want him to see him in a Rams uniform. That's why you want the trade. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I want Deshaun Watson. I mean, I do. I basically limit myself in college football. Uh, like NFL a lot. Love the CFL. Only watch college football during bowl season, okay? But that game against Alabama for the title, you know, again, that's one of those flashpoint moments, right? That's one of those moments like Jordan in the championship game for North Carolina. You know, it's just one of those moments when you know, oh, my God, you know, this guy is a Hall of Famer, you know, potentially. Mm -hmm. Everything breaks right, right? I mean, this guy is an all-time talent. I mean, my God, man among boys. And he's playing Alabama. It looks like a man among boys. You know, it's just like. And so I just want to. I just want to. You know, I say I'm a Rams fan, but I'm a very casual Rams fan. Uh, I I can't afford to be a fan of any team because I'm trying to take this whole betting thing seriously. uh, I I was going to I was going to ask you a Rams GM question. All right. Put your GM hat on. You're the general manager of the Rams. All right. 
You want you want Watson. Yep. All right, I'm I'm Houston Texans GM. I come to you. Hey, you want Watson? All right. Mm-hmm. We want Aaron Donald and a nah. second round pick. No. <laughs> no. Forget it. Forget it. No. No. You you basically be like you basically walk them into the showroom. You know, and you say, okay, everybody except for our two all pros. Anyway, <laughs> pick one. Pick one. We'll talk about a second one because I mean, it's not just like the Rams are two guys. Hell, when Darnold went out in the first playoff game of the game against the Seahawks, that defense took over. They took over. They uh, they didn't score after uh, yeah but, Darnold left the game. But look what happened when he went out last week. Every play he would go well, out. Look, yeah. I mean. They they went right at where the spot he was at. <laughs> got- yeah, well, okay, the Packers are a proper offense, and the men was crippled to begin with. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you have in the future, Darren? Because of course, um, what you do right now is you're looking at every day on the calendar what happened on that day in history, it, going back to the 19th century, which I love, by the way. But then, of course, you know, it's February, and you kind of run out of stuff. Um, what are you going to do in the future for us here? At well, we have the bread and butter of the podcast is near the end of every podcast. We respect and uh, celebrate the legends of, of the game of football. So we go to everybody that's in the College Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame on their birthdays. We have at least some memorial piece of who they were, who they played for, some accomplishment they did when they were entered into their respective Hall of Fames. So we, we have that all year long. Uh, there's very few days of the year where one of those 1,500 or so people are not having a birthday. Uh, some other things that we're going to do is after the Super Bowl, we're going to go into 100 days of uh, football jersey numbers. We're going to remember and celebrate, uh, have some some guests on. Uh, hopefully a gentleman named Oz Davis comes on and talks a little bit ball with us. But have a discussion of uh, just some of these great players and we'll start off with zero and double zero, and we're going to work all the way to 99. Mixed in with that, yeah. we're going to have some special guests. Um, a lot of people uh, I'd like to talk to. Uh, just last night, I had an interview with uh, a legend in the game, uh, Upton Bell. Uh, we had a great conversation. We're going to be airing that on February 25th, the day of Burt Bell, his father, who's a, hall, a pro football Hall of Famer. I mean, I could – Think of no better way to celebrate a man than to have his son talk about him and say great things. And Upton Bell is, you've, you've probably heard him on the, the Football History Dude podcast and some of the other podcasts. He is a very interesting fellow. He is a walking history book, and he had some great content that he spoke with me about, and I can't wait to share that with everybody on February 25th. Um, we're also talking to some people um, – Bill Schaefer of the Gridiron Uniform Database. They are a football NFL database that does the jerseys and the football helmets and really gets into the uniform. So we're going to have uh, our listeners, you know, learn a little bit more about that. I learned a lot about that because it's some an aspect, you know, I didn't realize that there's different color face masks on teams. And, and I talked with him Saturday and I'm watching the game Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's right. That's, you know, the clip that's holding that face mask on is this color. He got me really you know, juiced about it is another aspect of the game I, I didn't appreciate, but he got me into that. And I think the listeners are going to love him. Um, we've got some other guests that we're in talks with to, to bring on, uh, just talking the game of football history, and uh, we're going to mix that in too. I'm hoping that we can uh, 
get into some things. I want to go through uh, the great football museums around the country. Maybe get somebody on from each museum. Um, what do they have to offer? What's some of their favorite exhibits? And where they're at? And you know, when are they, you know are they open? Or can people look at them online and things? Just to appreciate, just to get the uh, football history doing that. So that's some projects that I'm hoping to do here in the football off season. And then by that time, we should be ramping up, uh, you know, NFL draft and some other great things during the summer camps and get ready for the next football season. So I'm about to let you go, but I'm going to institute a brand new uh, thing here at the Sports History Network Showcase podcast. Uh, we used to do this on an old show I did about European basketball, international basketball, I should say, uh, called Taking the Charge. Let me ask you this, Jared. What are your three favorite sports teams? Oh, gosh. And any sports or just football? Nope, nope. Well, if, if they're all football, that's fine. Three can it be professional, college, college, high school? I don't yeah. care. Three uh, I'm, I'm a football guy, so definitely, you know, the Steelers are in the, in the top. Tops. Right. And they're they're my team in the NFL. So the, my next team, I'm a Notre Dame fighting Irish football fan. I love watching. Oh, wow. Okay. I love the Irish. Right. I love watching that. And probably the other team that I enjoy watching, I mean, I'm, I'm a casual fan of, is – I love what Nick Saban does at Alabama. I think <laughs> they just come, hmm. they just come out and ball and Interesting. they are, it's just fun. And it's not just so much to root for Alabama. It's to have the pleasure of watching greatness and the, the teaching that he does to his players, because I think it's phenomenal and it's really brought a lot to the game. There's my three. <laughs> Great. Darren Hayes, host of the pigskin daily history dispatch. Thanks for doing what you do and for joining us today on this episode of the Sports History Network Showcase. My honor. Thanks for having me. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history. But as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment. You know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website. But we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sports. HistoryNetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, 
and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I am through if you're through.